Okay, so in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 12, it reads this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Have you ever had something you were hoping for for a long period of time? But, second half of the verse, I love when it, you know, it, it, it tells us a terrible fact, but then there's a but. Not that kind of but. Some of you guys got giggles on your face. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. A lot of Christian singles know the scripture extremely well. Almost more than John 3.16. It's the truth. It's our pity party. But when it comes, it is a tree of life. When the desire is fulfilled, when I get what I was believing for, when the breakthrough comes, when the answer comes, when the deliverance comes, there's a tree of life and you're like a woman who was in labor. You know, my wife had twins in her stomach. Now, I can't even get that because sometimes I have a big meal and I feel bad about myself. (laughs) I don't even get that. And towards the last few weeks, she's like, just get me, get, get, get them out. I'm done, right? I'm never getting pregnant again, okay? The Bible says that there is much toil and even pain in childbirth, but afterwards, there's a lot of joy. So much so that after the baby's born, we forget, well, mom forgets all about the pain and the turmoil, and all she can see is this beautiful baby in front of her. But in the moment, you feel like you're lost in a vortex of pain and misery and suffering. That's what I've been told anyways. Like I said, I've only had a few large meals. So, so I want to talk to you a little bit about hope today. Can we talk about hope? And the funny thing is, is that Pastor Jeff just got up and he just started releasing a word. You know, I just love it when, when the worship team's in the spirit, which we're blessed because we've got a worship team that is in the spirit. Because a lot of times they're praying and singing and, and, and declaring stuff. That's my message. And I like that. You know why? Because it means heaven speaking and I'm not. Okay. Okay, awesome. So the title of my message is, You're Going to Make It. Say that with me. I am going to make it. I am going to make it. I'm going to make it. See how that happened? Just got a little faster. I'm going to make it. Okay. So, so um, I want to talk about this because life happens and the most you know, good intentional faith-believing people that love Jesus have dark days. How do you think David, who was the psalmist, got to the point of writing, even if I walk through, or yay, if you've got the King James, yay, though I walk through. He wasn't yay, that's not Y-A-Y. Yay, though I walk through the valley. And he's like, yeah, if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, how do you think he came up with that? Because he'd been there. He said, I'll fear no evil. You know why? Because it's not good when you're walking with the looming shadow of disaster. When you're walking under the intimidating threat of of something terrible that's going to happen to you or around you. Here's another way that that we can can lose hope. When, When we are defeated, as it feels, in an area of our lives and we can't get victory. Hello, that sin that you've been struggling with, that it doesn't feel like you're getting breakthrough with. There's stuff that tries to push on you, and it starts to take away your hope. Last week, I talked a little bit about what? Oh, you guys are paying attention. The joy of the Lord 
is my strength. The enemy understands that the joy of the Lord is your strength. So what he tries to do is he tries to start taking your hope away because when, you're, when you start losing hope, you start getting weak. Hello. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about this today because you see, as sons and daughters of God, we have to become determined believers. See, my hope is not set on what I can see. Hebrews 11.1, now faith is the substance of things, what? Hoped for, the evidence of what? Things not yet seen. So we have to become absolutely tenacious believers in something that hasn't happened yet. Hello? Because if you don't hope in something good that God has said, then you will be believing in the negativity around you. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching some truth right now. The problem is, is that we are people that will assess our life by our surroundings rather than the promises God has given us. It's true. We are, we, we are results-driven and material uh, product-driven mentality people. For instance, I was talking about single people before. Well, you told me I was going to get a wife. I got a wife. Listen, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about you. Okay? Or a husband if, you, if, if, you're a, if you're a young lady. But it hasn't happened yet, and it's been a long time, and I'm beginning to feel like I'm losing my hope. Amen. See, that is the thing that causes defeat to start to be appealing to your mind. You ever heard those voices before, just give up hoping? Maybe you shouldn't believe so much, then you won't be as disappointed. Hello? These are the voices that talk. Do you really believe that those voices are yours? Because I never see, I never see my little boy... Little four-year-old. See, the thing I love about children is that you just see so much reality of actually, quote-unquote, mature adult life. You never see, I never see my little boy, I've got like a cheeseburger in a bag because he loves burger and fries. I mean, if you've got a little kid, you're going to get this. Burger and fries is his jam. You literally just told him you love him and you're the best daddy in the world. If you've got burger and fries in a little paper bag. And the thing is, is that while it's in the paper bag, he can't see it. Now, I've never seen my little boy start to go, just don't believe that daddy would bring me burger and fries because I'll get disappointed otherwise. That's true. He is 100%, actually 200%, energetically believing that daddy has burger and fries. You see, the thing is, is that we grow up and we become sophisticated and we start to psychologically prepare ourselves for alternate outcomes rather than what daddy's told us is gonna, he's going to do for us. So we try and lessen the blow because it's easier to doubt the goodness of God than to trust him through the fact that I can't smell any burger and fries. <laughs> is this helping somebody? Of course, faith is now the evidence Sorry, uh, faith is now the substance of things hoped for. You have to have hope before you can have faith. I've preached about this before. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. You are hoping in something that you can't see, and the second you put a hope in it, faith now has a launch pad to grab it in the spirit. You can't just have faith and not have hope. Hope is the belief that God is good. 
faith is the tenacious demand that comes out of that. Does this make sense? Okay, so I've got a lot of scriptures today. Is that okay? A few Bible-needing scripture people, which should be all of you. Okay, so let's go to let's go to Isaiah chapter forty-three, verse sorry forty-two, verse three. I want to talk a little bit to someone today that, and because I really feel it in the spirit, there are people here. Maybe maybe you're watching online. There are people here that just feel like you've been in the war. You feel like you've been in the battle. You feel like you're drowning underwater and you can't get a breath. And you, you believe that God has told you good things. You believe God has given you promises, but it feels like it hasn't come yet. I want to talk to the person today that is feeling defeated by habitual sins. I want to talk to the person today who feels like they haven't yet seen God's goodness come to them. Come on. Because here's the thing. If I don't talk to this area in your life, then I'm leaving the devil's voice unchallenged. Hello? Okay. So it says here, 42 verse 3, a bruised reed, this is Isaiah, a bruised reed he will not break. So in other words, have you ever run through the reeds or anything like that out in the, out in the mangroves or in the swamps? See, reeds are kind of like, it kind of looks like bamboo, but it's kind of a little bit, it's not as dense. And you can, if you push on a reed, it will kind of bend over, but it's got really thick strands. That's what I like about reeds. So you can't just snap them like a bamboo. They'll actually, they might bend and almost look like they were going to break, but they actually just, the fibers in the, in the, in the, 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 the what do you call it, the, the branch, no, it's not a branch, the, what is it, the shoot? The stalk, that's it, thank you. The fibers in the stalk actually give it great, uh, strength and ability to withstand impact. So, so this is prophesying about Jesus. So a bruised reed, he will not break. Do you feel bruised? Do you feel like life's beating you up a little bit? Jesus isn't going to throw you away. You feel like maybe you, you failed in what, quote unquote, your faith's supposed to look like. Maybe you had a bad day. Maybe you've had a bad month. Maybe the last few years has been messed up. God's not going to throw you away. Because you see, the thing is, is that what happens is, is the devil tries to get you to believe that God isn't good. And then he makes you feel dirty about it because he then brings in what I call spiritual anesthetic, a.k.a. your favorite sin. Your comfort, your creature comfort. And he'll get, he'll get you to a point where you just give into that thing. And the second he's got you there, he's actually got you in a place where now he turns around and condemns you. That's why he's called the deceiver but he's also accused, called the accuser of the brethren. He has a couple of hats in his back pocket. He puts his deceiver hat on, and he tries to lull you into the thing that your flavor, whatever your thing is. And then he changes the hat off as soon as you've bitten the hook, puts his other hat on, and he becomes a lawyer that starts to condemn you. And it feels like you're getting separated from God. You ever seen that before? Let me ask you a question, something I only thought about today. When Eve was beguiled by the serpent, now it's her fault, she made the decision, we're not trying to pass the buck here, even though she did. She didn't pass the buck, she passed the apple. But, the, but, but when she did that and she gave whatever that fruit was, she handed it over to her husband Adam and Adam ate too. We all think that the serpent disappeared, don't we? Yeah, we do. But when God came in the garden, who was there when he started pronouncing judgment? This doesn't tell you what happened in between, but let me just suggest this. Obviously, the serpent could speak because he spoke to Eve. So I wonder what he said after she bit it. 
That's a thought. Hello. And the thing is, is that, you know, you know, the wages of sin is death because, and no one would, no one would actually bite into sin if it wasn't appealing. But also, if anyone fully understood the outcome of that appealing thing, they wouldn't bite it. It just is so well packaged. Okay. Not trying to make sin good. I'm not trying to make an excuse for your pet sin or your little comfort thing that you do to try and excuse yourself from running to the arms of Jesus. We're just getting to a plate. We're just get, I'm building a, a foundation here. Is this okay? Okay, so a bruised reed he will not break and a smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring justice for truth. Bring forth justice for truth. The thing is, at times, we can feel defeated. Do you understand that the enemy is into psychological warfare? Has God really said? He only needs to get one sentence or one word inside your head and leave it there long enough if you don't check it. Okay, we've talked about this before. But the thing is, is that as stuff happens in life, we get beat up, we, we uh, go through stuff in life. Maybe something happened around us that was, had nothing to do with our decisions. Maybe someone did something that radically affected our life and caused great damage. Hello? Yeah. And we need breakthrough. Maybe it is a sin issue that we're trying to get breakthrough in. Okay? Maybe it is a promise that hasn't happened yet. The, 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 the feeling of all of those can actually all of those things can lead us towards feeling cut off from God. Because the question starts coming up in our heart, why hasn't God's goodness protected me? Why didn't God rescue me? Hello. Can I talk to somebody today? This very quiet church. You guys were praising real loud before, trust me. I heard you. <laughs> See, see the, the, the reason why the room's gone quiet may be because you're really paying attention, but also might be because you're feeling pain. And sometimes we can feel pain because we're actually offended at God. So we don't talk about this too much, do we? We can have, everything's great, I love your presence, but there's this one area that I'm offended with you because you let this happen to me. There's this one area where I never got over it and it affected the course of my life because you allowed that to take place. Joseph could have had the same conversation. But what he said is what you meant for evil, God, you for good. Okay? So you have to understand that things that happen in your life, although God didn't do them to you, God's going to use them for you. You just have to not give up when you've been thrown in a pit. You have to not give up when Potiphar's wife's trying to falsely accuse you and you're getting thrown in a prison and forgotten about and people are dying and it's a horrible... I mean, trust me, it was not an American prison. There was no cable TV. It was a dungeon. It was not a good place. There was no regard for life. Okay, that was my first scripture. Can we keep moving? Is that all right? Okay, come with me, please, to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. The problem, guys, is that we have a perspective issue. We have a perspective issue. God is for you, and you are going to make it, but the problem is, is that what happens is we become disconnected from moments of intimacy, regular moments of intimacy with God, where we're hearing His voice touching us and encouraging us, and, and at times it feels like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You ever had that little chat with God? Jesus, I'm just really identifying with you on the cross right now. <laughs> Hello. 
So, so, so we have these moments where we actually don't understand what God is walking us through or what we've got ourselves into and God's perspective of it. Let, let me just help you with this. The, I, know, I know that we love to play very righteous on Sunday. We're made righteous by the blood of the Lamb, not our own righteousness. So the problem is that when we play righteous and we try and look good, we actually get messed up. Okay? So, so what happens is, is that when we, when we kind of try to be good or we... St- I mean, look, all of us can do it at times. We start, you know, you, you just stop and you think, you know, I've really been a good kid for the last couple of weeks. You ever done that before? I just feel like, you know, I've been, I've been really doing good. Yeah, it's actually not you. It's Jesus that's doing good in you. It's okay. So I want to just talk about this because this, this thing that causes us to start to question the hope and the goodness of God is all about the enemy trying to make you feel separated over time. Right. Where he could cause you to start considering to give up. Okay, so Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? What are we going to talk about all this stuff? If God is for us, who could be against us? Now that's a pretty cool opening right there. Because the thing is, is that the enemy wants you to feel that you are the one that has to provide your breakthrough. You are the one that has to start to, like here, look. Abraham was an old man. He was knocking on 100. Sarah and Abraham had a promise. You're going to be the father of many nations. Hello? Abraham's, um, sorry, Sarai is laughing in her tent at God. That's going to be an awesome one to talk about in eternity. Yeah, you laughed at God. That's awesome. Yeah, we've all laughed at God. We've definitely all laughed at God because God said stuff. And we're like, no way. I have, for sure, 100%, multiple times. Okay? But what happened was, was that a little bit of time went on And even though they had God to turn up and talk to them, time started to happen. And Sarah was like, you know, I'm an old lady now. I've got gray hair. Things just aren't like they used to. They aren't like they used to be. And so she's like, why don't you go and get to know our servant girl a little bit? And what took place was she created a son with the servant girl, Tamar, got to know Abram, and they had a son called Ishmael, which the entire Islamic leg that's hit the world came from that one moment out of someone that started to lose hope in a word and so tried to create something themselves to help God. You can make some of your biggest mistakes when waiting for God's promises. Biggest mistakes. Okay, let's, just, let's keep moving here. So, um, if God is for us, who can be against us? Uh, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him, sorry, not with him also freely give us all things? Do you understand that God wants to bless you more than you understand that he ever possibly could? The enemy's line comes to you just like he did with Eve. Has God really said that he's good towards you? Has God truly given you the best? The enemy is actually not the... Look here, we give Satan a lot of credit. He is a powerful being, but he's not that powerful. He is not the creator, which means... there is. We know there's only one creator. Satan is a created being. 
Amen. Can we agree on that? So he's not the creator. He's an imitator. And once he's got his little song and jig, he uses the same song and jig. Even if he puts a different outfit on, it's the same song and jig. So he'll turn up. It might be situation A, B, C, D, all the way down through to Z. And he's basically saying the same thing with a different outfit. Has God really said that he's going to be good to you? It's the same lie. He's not inventive. He's not creative. All he's doing is taking things from eternity that he saw in heaven and watches the stuff that God does. He twists it and he tries to make it his thing. But it's never his thing. He's never been the creator. He's created. Hello. He's also, by the way, been judged. He has a last page in his book. This is what it goes. Ah, I'm burning. That's his last page. And we get to just hang out with Jesus forever. That's a good story. You should be excited. Okay. But I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Okay. That's why we're having this message. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, 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 <laughs> got to say it. Got to say it. So, uh, so God is saying that he's going to freely give us all things. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Do you know that's actually not a challenge towards you? It's a challenge to the enemy. Do you, you have to get this now? Who's going to bring a charge against God's chosen, blood-bought sons and daughters? You're dealing with condemnation from sin? There is now, therefore, no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Now, yeah, if we sin, he's, we have to deal with it, then he's faithful and just. We have to go to him, come boldly before the throne, repent and receive forgiveness, mercy and grace. And then from that place, in that situation, there is now therefore no condemnation. But if we sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hello. Okay. So I just want to clarify this because the enemy is doing the same thing to you that he does to me and every person else in this room, every person on the planet. He's trying to separate you from believing that the love of God can't get to you. He's trying to get you to believe that you've gone too far, that the promise isn't for you, it's for the next person, that that person got their breakthrough, that person got married, that person got delivered, that person got healed, that person got their marriage restored, that person got a financial breakthrough, this person got that, and, and it hasn't happened for me, and they all got it six months ago. He's trying to get you to believe that you're an exception to what this book says is true. And there's nothing new under the sun. Hello. Okay. I just want to read this because right now I felt like God told me to go to war with the doubt in your mind that the enemy's put there against the hope of the goodness of God. That's why this message is, is titled, You're Going to Make It. Because you are going to make it if you just believe. So that's why we have to be disciplined believers. It's not about my feelings. That's why, the, that, look, we don't walk by feelings or by sight we walk by faith right. let me just bring that into 2018 get your emotions out of it right. believe God right. if God said it you can put an investment on it right. you can trust it it's a bulletproof bond okay let's go here so who shall bring a charge against God elect let me just hang on let me just listen for a second no, I've got crickets. He hasn't got anything to say. If God 
sent his son to die for you and you accepted the gift, the blood is unchallengeable in the courtroom of the father. You can't, there is no voice that can challenge that blood. So if you're walking in covenant with God and you had a bad day, you had a bad day. If you had a bad day, we just come boldly before the throne of God and we receive grace and mercy. It didn't kick you out of the family. It just meant that while you were in the family, something took place. Now, do you, I heard someone in here and you, you does he believe you can't lose your salvation? Yeah, I do believe you can lose your salvation. How shall we neglect such a great salvation? I do believe that we can lose it if we go too far. Okay? But it takes a lot to go too far. Okay? You have to walk in relationship with God. But that's not what I'm preaching today. Okay? Some of you are like, oh God, I need to get saved. Well, if you need to get saved again, you're in the right place. Don't worry. It's awesome. There's grace. Okay. So who can bring a charge against us? No. It is God who justifies. Who is it who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, he's also risen. What, what this is, is this is God challenging all of hell. I beat you once. Don't make me come down there again. Do you understand that? Jesus whipped the devil and took all of his power. The only power and authority that the enemy has is what you believe he does. Because the second you believe, you engage in what's called the law of agreement. And you take the keys of the kingdom of heaven and you start agreeing with the enemy. Oh, I'm never going to get married. Listen, there's certain things that you can never allow to come out of your mouth. Like for instance, we in our marriage, there's certain words like divorce that we never ever use from the beginning to right now. It's that word or the allusion towards that word or hinting. That is 100% illegal in our marriage. Do you understand? There's certain things. You know, have, we, you know, have we had a couple of bumpy days? Yeah. Just like all of you that are married. It's normal. Stuff happens. But certain things are never allowed to come out of our mouths. You know why? Because that's illegal. Yeah. I'm not going to start agreeing with a hint or, or I'm not going to try and manipulate my wife by hinting towards ultimatums because that is just like the devil. That is not like my father. Do you understand? So I understand that what's in my mouth is powerful and life-creating or death-making. Jesus said life and death are in the power of the, of the tongue. Choose life. Why? Because the second you choose death, you have just covenanted with a dark road. Do you understand? And if you have, some of you are getting convicted right now to say, you know, I break the power of those words that came out of my mouth. Jesus, I repent. It's simple. Done. Fixed. Okay? You don't need to go down, go, one, go buy one of those books and do three months of renunciations. <laughs> I renounce the Freemasons. You know, I forgive every single uncle and every single auntie. No, listen, that stuff has its place once in a while, but just calm down. The blood of Jesus has an answer for all of them. Okay. Is this okay? Am I, am I upsetting somebody? Good. I should be upsetting the devil at the very least. That's been talking to you and tormenting you that God's goodness doesn't apply to areas of your life. Okay, awesome. Okay, this is great. So, so who is it that condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is risen, who was even at the right hand of God and who also, watch this, who also makes intercession for us. 
Jesus, the Bible tells us that he lives eternally to make intercession with the Father on our behalf. Now, let me show you what that looks like because it sounds like a very, very spiritual statement. And it is. Come here, Jeff. I'm going to pretend that Jeff is the Father right now. Actually, you have to sit on, you have to sit on this side, don't you? Because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Okay, this is what it looks like. Hey, 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 Dad, uh, you know, I just want to talk to you about Anton. He's just going through a rough time right now, and we just, we just, he's awesome. <laughs> My blood covers what he did. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what ever living to make intercession. He doesn't need to email God. <laughs> he's sitting next to him. Do you understand that? So when stuff happens, it doesn't go into the courtroom. It stays in the family living room. Thanks, bro. Do you get what I'm saying? See, sometimes what happens is because of the way the enemies tried to program us, oh, I sinned again, off to the courtroom. You know why you're thinking courtroom legalism? It's because the accuser, do you even notice that the name the accuser, it sounds like the prosecution, doesn't it? It's the exact same role. The prosecution starts talking immediately. Okay? Or... Whether it be a sin thing or it be something where it's like, you know, you've been believing God for breakthrough in a healing, you've been believing God for breakthrough in a marriage, whatever that looks like, whatever that thing is, job, finance, he's, he's always trying to cast doubt. And so you're getting prosecuted and you actually just need to show him the blood more. You know, I watched a movie recently with this guy. He walked into this crime scene, and these people tried to arrest him. And you know what he did? He reached into his pocket, and he pulled out this special high-profile government badge. And as soon as everyone saw it, they backed off and started apologizing. Us sons and daughters of God need to do that more often with the devil. Hey, I've got some blood here. I'm the blood work team. Yeah, I've got to apply some blood on this situation. You get what I'm saying? We need to give the devil the right to remain silent. Everything he says can and will be used against him in my father's living room. Do you understand what I'm saying? We need to stop playing the victim and assuming the role of a naughty child and start to realize that if Jesus was sent by the father to give his own life, how great is our value? And if our value is that great, why would God want to throw you away like a dirty used towel? He's always looking to redeem situations. The reason we believe otherwise is we go the route of Adam. We go running into the brambury bush trying to put some leaves on. So it's a run and hide mentality rather than a come clean mentality. Does this make sense? I am referring to sin, yes. But the same feelings of darkness and gloom and, and, and oppression and separation can get into areas where we're really believing for stuff. And those clouds come in. Say this with me. I'm going to make it. You know why? Because Jesus is with you. He's with you. And he's for you. And, you know, like I've said a lot recently, the timing of things playing out is actually not your responsibility. Your responsibility is just to walk stuff out. And, you know, that's why the Bible says, if we sin, he's faithful and just. Why would it say, if we sin? Because sometimes we get the idea that now that I'm saved, I'm never going to sin again. You ever had those things? Jesus, I'll never ever sin again. I just love you so much. He's like, bless you, child. <laughs> because he understands, like it says in the scriptures, Jesus didn't commit himself to people because he knew what was in them. He knows your stubbed toe this week. <laughs> Hello. 
Can we be real? Some of you are like, don't acknowledge it. Don't let them see you nodding your head because then, you, you know, no, 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 you're fine. Trust me, I need the blood of Jesus just as much, if not more, than you do. Okay, awesome. My wife said true. So, it's a real thing. So, so really, this whole hope thing is really a confidence thing. It's having confidence in the goodness of God and the blood of Jesus and the intention of God to bless your life and take you from the desert to the green pastures in whatever area of your life that may be. You have to stop agreeing with certain realities that you've started to conclude are your destiny. You have to, you have to stop agreeing with certain, you know, I'll settle for the rubble in the, in the pile of the, the, you know, all that rubbish over there as for, for the outcome of my life. I'll just have to settle and bury my dreams because God's not good. But all these other areas are great, so I'll celebrate over here and I'll pretend like this isn't even happening. Hello? Can I preach? Okay. So what happens is, is that the enemy's either going to try and get you out of condemnation or he's going to try and get you out of exhaustion. It's one of the two ways. Now, there was this, while I was preparing this, uh, God actually gave me a hymn. When I grew up, I used to sing a lot of hymns in church. They're kind of cool, but at the time, I wasn't into them. So anyways, this hymn came back to my memory, and I want to I wanna just bring it up with you. This hymn was written in 1884. That's a long time ago. So some of the language might mess you up a little bit, but that's cool. It was cool back then, okay? Now, just, just while I say that, uh, the very first word is ho. Now, that's not the ho that you're thinking about. That's just what she wrote, okay? That just means like, hey, okay, whatever. Ho, everyone that is thirsty in spirit. I'm just going to not read ho because that's messing people up. Okay. Everyone that is weary and sad. You ever felt weary and sad before? Yeah. Have you ever felt like depressed? Because it felt like so much brokenness has taken place in your life, you don't know how you're going to come to the other side and actually be joyful about loving Jesus again. Maybe you've been through some really dark times and you feel like the joy of the Lord was taken from you and something took place in your heart where you felt like, I feel like I'm giving up. Hello? Yeah, if you've been weary and sad, if you're thirsty in your spirit. See, you know, you know what God is good. You know God's good, but you feel so disconnected from him, you can't taste him anymore. Come to the fountain, there's fullness in Jesus. All you're longing for, come and be glad. This is beautiful. Watch this, this is the chorus. I will pour water on him that is thirsty. I will pour floods upon the dry ground. Feel, feel dry? Yeah, God wants to pour his goodness on you. Even if you're not holding the promise yet, he wants to pour his goodness on you. Open your hearts for the gifts I am bringing. While you are seeking me, I will be found. Okay, I'm just going to read first verse and chorus. We'll leave that there. Because I was going to mess you up. Okay, so, okay, I've got a couple more scriptures. Can you work with me? I need like another 10 minutes. Is that okay? Is this helping someone today? I feel like we need to go to war with the stuff that's been trying to cause us to be depressed, trying to cause us to be down, trying to cause us to lose our focus and to actually give up. God doesn't want you to give up. He wants you to make it. God is a father that gives inheritances he wants you to hold. He doesn't want you to give up. If I told you, hey, by the way, um, here's a certificate. You have this distant relative. Now, this is not an email from Nigeria. But you have this distant relative who died, 
and you have been left a billion dollars. The only thing is we don't know when you're going to get it. There's a massive processing, um, you know, a process that's going to take place and there's no set time frame. But you're the heir to a billion dollars. And a year goes by and two years goes by. Do you start to believe that that's not true? Or do you stay excited? Hey, one day I'm, I'm a billionaire. Would you start telling people you're a billionaire right away? Because I would. Modestly, of course. <laughs> That's when you start praying the prayers to Jesus. Jesus, I'll tithe 10%. No, I totally pray. You get what I'm, you get what I'm saying? <laughs> but the thing is, is that we're all heirs to, the pro, uh, to promises of a generous father, like Jeff was taking up in the offering so beautifully. We're heirs to, the, to generous promises. The only thing is, is that time sometimes plays out. Okay. So let's go to uh, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4, very well-known scripture, verse 11. Not that I speak in regard for my need, for I have learned that whatever state I am in, to be content. Now this is a key right here that's going to keep you from falling into the trap and the snare and the strategy of the enemy. Because the enemy wants you to start becoming discontent when things aren't going your way or when the budget's a little tight or when you know, you're getting persecuted or someone's slandering you or someone's gossiping or someone's done something horrible or a terrible event has happened out in your personal life. Okay, so whatever situation in, I'm in, I've learned to be content. I know how to have nothing and I know how to have a lot. That's awesome, isn't it? Everywhere and in all things, I have learned to be both full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Now watch this. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now that right there is your key. That's your weapon. That's your sword. That's the arrow in your quiver. I can. Say this with me. I can. can. Put a lot of energy on the word can. I can. can. Do all things. That includes all the stuff that you're struggling with in your hope. That includes all the stuff where you're struggling with. It feels like the enemy's messed you up in sin. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. This scripture tells me that I don't even need to have the strength to do all the things. I'm doing them through Christ's strength. Christ's strength is made perfect when I feel weak. So when I feel weak and getting ready to give up, that's when Christ's strength is getting ready to be perfect. Come on, somebody. It's like, you know, I, I go on, actually, since about the age of 16, I've done some epic, savage hikes up into desert wildernesses, like, you know, five to eight days just gone. I've had people begging me not to go, and I'm just like, I'm going, because I love this. This is what I love. I put my pack on, take my rifle, my binoculars, a little bit of food, and my tent and everything, and I just, whoo, gone. And I'm talking to God. It's really good. There's no, there's no Wi-Fi messing up my head. It's really great. And, you know, a lot of those things, it's like, it's really full on out there and it's really, really intense because the wilderness and the elements are all brutal. And there's been times where uh, there's no tap at the campground where I go. Let's just put it like that. There's no water supply at the campground. So on one particular hike that I did, I went up into the mountains. It was snowing. It was crazy. Then the next day, all the snow had thawed and I went out on a hunt. And, uh, but I'd run out of water because there's water three hours that way down a very treacherous track. And I drank my water coming up the track like, like this. So I get to my tent, I have my breakfast, I run out of water, and I go out on my hunt. And I, I shot an animal, a, a deer, it was great. And um, then once I'd done that, I actually had to go and find this little spring that I'd seen three or four years before. And I had to squeeze water out of the sponge. There's like this little 
uh, like a lichen algae, growing over this very minimal little outgiving of water, way up in this real, like I had to look for it for an hour. When I got to it, I was starting to feel like, man, I'm dehydrated, I'm at altitude. I, I need to find water quick here because I'm starting to feel the effects of being dehydrated. I've just hiked an hour down that way to retrieve my deer. I've come all the way back up. I'm completely dehydrated and I'm starting to feel the effect of energy on me. But when I got to that little spring, I started to get that water. I literally had to get uh, like moss and sponge and I had to squeeze it into my bottle. Then I had to walk all the way back to my camp and boil the water because if I had have drunk it in that state, I could have got a little uh, a parasite. But the thing is, is the second I had that drink, I felt refreshed, I felt replenished, hope came back into me, and I was like, I'm going to make it. But in the meantime, you're starting to think, oh, should I write Bex a letter? Should I write my mom a letter? You get what I'm saying? We're real dramatic on some of that stuff. Oh, God, is, it, is this the end? Is that you, Jesus, coming? You get what I'm saying? But that's just reality. And so, so at times, we feel... Like our strength is diminished and we're ready to like pass out on the ground. <laughs> and then at that time, that's when Jesus' power and might, the same power that stomped out the devil like a dirty cigarette, is getting ready to be great in your life. And he's like that drink of water for the first time after you haven't drunk for a day or two. Come on. That's what letting his strength be made perfect in your weakness. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That includes waiting until the breakthrough comes, even if it's not fair in your opinion. Okay, come on, somebody. Okay, so that's cool. Next scripture, Romans chapter 8. We're going to go back there. Oh, thank you, God. What then shall we say to these things? Now we're talking about other things. For if God is for us, who can be against us? Well, it certainly ain't the devil because he's not responding either. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also... Oh, I already read the scripture, didn't I? Well, that's awesome. Look at me getting all excited. Okay, cool. That's awesome. I must have... I, you know what? I think I pressed that twice. Okay, well, that's cool. Next scripture. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Do you know that actually, you know, a lot of people just say, you know, I've heard a lot of pastors preach this. God just wants you to, you know, he wants you to discover your own journey and write your own story. I've actually heard preachers make that statement. Hang on a minute. Jesus is the author, not me. Jesus is writing my story. It's my job to discover what he's talking about and walk it out. Do you get what I'm saying? See, for me personally, when I was a single guy, I believed that I couldn't just marry anyone. Now, I know there's a whole lot of different opinions in the body of Christ, but for me personally, you do you with Jesus, I'm going to do me with Jesus. For me, I understood that Jesus has written my story. So I wanted to marry the one he wrote about. Not the one I was wanting to write about, the one he wrote about. When That was good. Thank you, Jesus. Love you, babe. So looking unto Jesus, remember that, same, that looking unto Jesus is the same looking unto Jesus that Peter did when he was walking out of the boat. And then he didn't look unto Jesus, and we know that, how that story went. right? So looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, watch this. Who for the joy set before him. This, this scripture means a lot to me. 
You, if you don't know me, I've been, you, won't know, you won't understand my, my history and my story, but I've been through some stuff, and I'm sure you've been through some stuff too. But this, this scripture, Holy Spirit, breathed alive to me on a few occasions, and it just, it just caused me to see it a little differently. Looking under Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, and watch this, he despised the shame of the season that he was in on the cross. Too many of us get into seasons of darkness and persecution, struggle, waiting, and we allow the season to start to become our identity. But Jesus had a different posture. He despised the season of shame. He saw it as separate from who he was. He was passing through. That was not starting to put an imprint on his spiritual DNA. Hello? Come on, somebody. So if you're going through something, you need to hold on because you're going to make it. Amen. Because the season that you're in is not who you are. It's not, you know, oh, God just hurt me because he knew it was good for me. What are you talking about, Willis? That's a devil doctrine. That's a doctrine of devils. You get what I'm saying? And, and God actually, yes, he does allow us to walk through hard seasons. But sometimes we need to stop blaming God for some of the hard seasons that we wrote ourselves. We signed ourselves up for things because we weren't watching what God wanted us to do. And we took a left when he was saying take a right. Okay. I'll leave that right there. So we're looking under Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising his shame. Now watch this. And has now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, sometimes it looks like the whole world's laughing at you and you're dying on a cross. And it even feels like if you look at what took place with Jesus, he actually had moments where he, a moment where he felt separation from communion with God. And that is exactly what the enemy wants to do to you. He wants you, to f- he wants you to feel, because we a lot of the times associate presence with affirmation. I want you to listen to me right now. We associate feeling the presence of God with the approval of God. Can I tell you sometimes you're not going to feel the presence of God when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death? Hello, can, I, can we talk for a second? Because there's been, there have been times, I can say at least in my life, where it has been incredibly difficult and I haven't been basking in the glory. I've just been focusing on being obedient in the midst of tragedy and chaos. I haven't felt real good in goosebumps. I've just been like, okay, I could just make it through today. I'm not going to think about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to worry about itself. Do you get what I'm saying? And so sometimes when we don't feel the glorious presence of God, we start to associate with, my God, my God, we get all dramatic. Why have you forsaken me? Hello? Okay. So because of that, what happens is, is we get an abandonment complex, which is actually from an orphan DNA rather than a son DNA. Hello? And so because we think that God's abandoned us, we start to think, well, what are my options? Can I go work out a deal with Satan? We don't say that, but that's what we start to think practically. Well, you know, my wife's not coming along. I wonder who's out in the club tonight. I wonder if I just jump on Christian Mingle, Christian Tinder, whatever it is. I don't know what it is. There ain't no Christian in Tinder. Let's just be honest. In Jesus' name. So, 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 so what we do is we start to be like Sarah and we start to fabricate what we call our humanism to start to create a path. And so what, we, what happens is, is we start to put that as an approval or a disapproval. Okay? So... For the shame that he walked through, he didn't know how long that shame was going to be. Now, there was scriptures that did predict it. But at the same, and Jesus was well versed. But at the same time, 
Sometimes when you're in pain or you're in deep uh, trauma, time kind of is irrelevant. And you're in it and one second feels like a day. But within the blink of an eye, three days passed, then 40 days on the earth, and then Jesus ascended to heaven. And there he sat at the right hand of the Father. See, see, there may be sorrow for a night in your life, but joy's coming. And sometimes you don't know if you haven't got a watch or a clock when the sun's going to start shining up through your window. So now we're sitting at the right hand of the Father. So here's the thing. If God's given you a promise, make the scripture your own. For the joy set before you, you're going to enjoy your personal cross and you're going to despise the shame of the waiting and the, and the challenges and the struggle and, the, and even persecution. Because on the other side of it, there's joy. Okay? And you're going to sit in your, you're going to sit in your promise. Okay, last scripture, I promise. Mark chapter 4. Is this helping somebody today? I've gone a little bit over time, but I feel like it's worth it. Okay, Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the, the multitude, they took him along in the boat as, uh, as he was, uh, and the other little boat, boats were also with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Now, something you have to understand about here, this wasn't like a little rental boat. They hadn't gone down to, to, to the harbor in, in Newport and picked up one of those little electric boats. You know, those little things. I thought they looked stupid when I first arrived here, but people are into them. So anyways, that's great. They are fun, I guess. But, uh, but this, was, this was a sailboat with seasoned sailors. Remember, at least two or three of the, sa- of the disciples were, were seasoned sailors and fishermen. Peter being one of them. Peter was pretty bad to the bone. Peter was a pretty tough, if you really look into the life of Peter, I mean, you know, how many of you guys been down to any of the local fishing wharves, seen the guys that work on those boats? Have you seen, what's that? Is it Million Dollar Catch or Most Dangerous Catch or whatever it's called? That TV show? Deadliest Catch. You seen Deadliest Catch? Have you ever seen any of those dudes skipping around in a, in a, in a tutu? No. no, those dudes are tough and they are bad to the bone. And I would say that Peter was in that category. Okay, so when you think of Peter, think of deadliest catch. He almost had a deadliest catch, actually, in this particular occasion. So Peter was not easily moved. Peter was actually used to bad storms. But in this story, Peter's freaking out, which tells you it was a bad storm. Okay, watch this. So Peter, so Jesus took a nap in the midst of a big storm, which is just like Jesus. And he didn't take a nap to hurt them. I believe he, take, he took a nap to show us how God views our problems. <laughs> Jesus, just get me out of this and I'll live for you for the rest of my life. How many of us have prayed that prayer? I have. Yeah. So, so, um, so the boat was already filling, but he was in the stern, uh, that's at the back of the boat, asleep on a pillow. He's taking a nap. And they awoke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? How many prayers have you prayed to Jesus like that? Don't you care that this is happening to me, God? Don't you care that my life's so messed up? Don't you care that all these people have done this to me? Don't you care that I've been ripped off? Don't you care that I'm miserable? Don't you care that all my finances are about to implode and we're going to lose the house, this, that, and the other, what that looks like? They're freaking out. Peter is having, in classic Peter style, a hyperventilation hysteria moment. Okay? So then he gets up and he rebukes the wind and the sea and he sa- and by saying, peace be still. I mean, just, just imagine being Peter. He's literally in the middle of hyperventilation. The storm stopped, but Peter's hyperventilation kept going. 
And you see that? Everything went still. <laughs> Peter's still freaked out and takes him 10 minutes to calm down and get his blood rate, his, his, his heartbeat rate down. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But they said to him, but sorry, but he said to them, why are you fearful? And how is it that you have no faith? I always find the next verse really funny. And they fearfully, and they feared exceedingly. So they, <laughs> it's like, what's going on here, man? So he's like, how have you got no faith? <laughs> and why are you so fearful? And they feared exceedingly. And they said to one another, how can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Jesus' opinion, can I just say this and please hear me. He has sympathy on your life and your heart, but he's not moved by your circumstances. And Jesus is actually, it's not that he's asleep and he doesn't care, because he does care. It's like when he let Lazarus die. He didn't let Lazarus die because he didn't care. He let Lazarus die because a greater outcome was going to come out of it. And sometimes what you're in is actually something you don't need to be rescued from. It's something you need to walk through, because in the walking through... Like, that's why Paul said, you know, don't think it crazy when various trials and tribulations come. Actually, that's a good thing, even though you won't see it right now. But in a few years, you're going to say, thank you, Jesus, for letting me walk through that season. Sometimes we're trying to get ourselves out of things too quickly, and actually we need to walk through it. Jesus is actually not ever once been afraid of the things that you're afraid of. Jesus has not ever once been terrified. Think about that. He just stood up real casually. <gasps> Please be still. <sighs> so say this with me again. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. You know why? Because Jesus is on the inside of you and the storm that's raging around you, the struggle that you're in, the sin that you're struggling with, you're going to overcome that sin. That thing's going to lose its power over your life. Even if there's a journey of walking out freedom, even if the breakthrough isn't quite where you want it to be, or, you know, some, you know, I've said this before too, but I need to say it again. Us Christians are amazing at setting a timer on God. You ever heard Christians say, oh, Jesus came at 11.59? You ever, ever heard that? He came at the last minute. Sometimes Jesus comes at 1.30 a.m. Do you get what I'm saying? That's because we decided when 12, 8, 12 p.m. was or 12 a.m. was. We decide when the last minute or the danger zone is. And he wants to push it a little further sometimes by not showing up right when you think. He'd already planned this all along. It's just that our expectations decided when he was supposed to be there. And so that's what happens is, is when we do that, our hope gets hurt and our heart gets hurt. And we actually need to pull back from that and just start trusting God. Become a reckless believer. A reckless, tenacious, decided believer, and get your hope back in Jesus. Get your hope and 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 your 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 idea of your breakthrough back in Jesus, because you're going to make it if you just hold on. Yes. Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet for a second? Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you for today. And I thank you, God, that you have directly challenged some of our unbelief today. You've directly challenged some of the areas of struggle in our life, our doubt, our unbelief, the things in our lives where we've been trying to write our own path. You've directly challenged our pity party sympathy tour, God, of trying to, trying to even look to give up on promises you've given us because it's easier in our mind to give up rather than to believe you. 
So, Father, we thank you that you're building a house of people that know their God and are strong, people that believe God, even when it doesn't seem fair, even when it hasn't happened when we need it to, God, you are going to raise up promises and bring breakthrough about in such a way, Father, where we are not moved by the storms that used to shake us. In Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father, for every storm in our lives right now, the ones that... that have no business being there. We speak peace to those things now. In Jesus' name. We speak peace and stillness over storms in Jesus' name. And I thank you, God, that you encourage every single person in this place and then watching online with encouragement and courage this week, God, so that we would believe you and that our faith and hope would pull us towards the promises and the breakthrough and the victories. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.